Good morning, Lamar Avenue. Good morning. It's a beautiful day today. I'm grateful to be back with you. It's been a while. This is my officially last Sunday with you. Please don't say amen. That would hurt my feelings. Uh, but uh, it's been a joy to be with you and get to know you. I've known Randy and Lori a long, long time. Actually, Randy followed me at the Mansfield Church of Christ and straightened things out after I'd been there a while years ago. And now he's following me here to straighten things out. So you're in good company. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. But Randy's a good man, and I love Randy and Lori. Many of you already know him. And uh, this morning, I want to give you a message that pushes you forward rather than resting on your laurels. Now, here's the only thing I want you to hear today. The one thing. I mean, it's not complicated. Don't get too comfortable. That's all I want you to remember. If you're having a lunch conversation today, what did Grady talk about today? He said a lot of words. Don't get too comfortable. Open your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. It's always a joy to do these weekends with the church. Next weekend I'll be in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, look forward to that. The weekend after that I'll be in Ventura, California. The weekend, no, that's the end. I can't keep up my own schedule. Ventura, California, Osceola, Iowa, Cincinnati, Ohio, Highland Oaks in Dallas, Mansfield. That's my next several weeks. And so when I go places, it doesn't take long, even if I don't know any, think I know anybody at all. If you're in the churches of Christ... And if you talk more than 10 minutes, you either know somebody, you're related to somebody, or wish you weren't. That's all there is to it. And so I won't say that's totally happened here, but it's been pretty close that I've known a lot of people have been related to some distantly or wish I didn't know some. But anyway, we won't mention names. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Really? Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, really? Follow me. But this man said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Hmm. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, No one who puts a hand to the plow and look back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Let me say it again. Don't get too comfortable. Might as well say it with me. I want you to remember it. Don't get too comfortable. Let's pray. Oh God, maker of heaven and earth, giver of life, sustainer of life, giver of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, who lived, who died on a cross, who was buried in a tomb, and who's raised the third day by your power, O oh God, and is seated with you at the, your right hand. May we trust you. May we follow Jesus, your son, beyond our convenience and beyond our comfort and beyond our likes and dislikes, may we follow you. May our hope and faith and love and grace and mercy and peace be rooted in Jesus Christ. Give us that, O oh Lord, today we pray. Amen. Luke consistently portrays the disciples as people who don't get it. What? Luke consistently portrays the disciples as people who don't get it. And yet he still says, follow me. You ever felt that way? You ever read some things of Jesus? Think about some things? Think about, about who God is, what God's called you to do, and you go... I don't quite understand, and if I just understood better, and if you'd just tell me what the future's like, I'd, I'd sure feel a lot better, and he doesn't. And he still says, in spite of your struggles, in spite of your uncertainties, in spite of your doubts, in spite of your fears, Jesus still looks at you and says, follow me. Now that's an incredible amount of grace, is it not? You, you think about that. In spite of who you are and all your doubts and all your uncertainties, all your desires, all your fears, all the stuff that we put up excuses about, Jesus still says, follow me. Follow me. All my tiredness and all my weirdness and all my bouts with medical issues and all the cancer and all the stuff that's going on in our lives, Jesus still says, follow me. But Lord, let me first go. No, follow me. You ever wondered at times why Jesus sounds so harsh? Lord, I'll follow you, but let me go bury my father. Now, what kind of person would not say, oh, that's right, as soon as you get that done, catch up with me and we'll go on down and proclaim the kingdom of God. No, he says, let the dead bury their dead. Why would Jesus sound so? But that's not the first time he's done it. I mean, he says things, if a man doesn't hate father and mother, he cannot be my disciple. What? What's going on there? Jesus consistently engages the disciples with exactly where they are, and he never backs off and says, go, follow me, proclaim the kingdom of God. But Luke says they still don't get it. And they're so inconsistent in their life. You ever feel inconsistent in your own life? You ever just feel like, okay, I'm really good about this and my faith is here, but over here I, I'm just not even living that. I know it in the darkest, deepest part of my soul. 
but over here, I got this down, but over here, I'm in. You ever feel so inconsistent? Well, in the early part of Luke chapter 9, watch this inconsistency. Chapter 9, verse 1. He called the 12 together, gave them power and authority. Ah, big deal. Over all the demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he told them, take nothing on your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and welcome leave and uh, stay there and leave from there whenever wherever they do not welcome you when you're leaving that town shake the dust off your feet they departed and went through the villages bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere now Herod's really perplexed about who Jesus is thinks he's John the Baptist etc wants to see him he yearned to see him chapter uh, 9 verse um, 9 and then there's the feeding of the 5,000. Now he's given them power, he's given them authority, proclaim the kingdom, heal diseases, and they go, Lord, there's not enough, we, we need to send these people into town. It's, there's 5,000 people here. We need to send them into town. What I mean, to get food for us. See, they don't get it. They don't get it. And Jesus said, the famous children's story that's always on the walls, that's all, I see it in my childhood now, the little flannel graph feeding the 5,000 in the smelly, musty, cinder block classroom walls of my childhood. Can you smell it? Who knows, who, knows, who, knows, who, knows, who knows what I'm talking about? Now, there's more of you older than that. Now, come on. All right? But here's the deal. They don't get it. And Jesus takes care of it. They still don't get it. Once when Jesus was praying alone... Verse 18, with only the disciples near him, he asked, who do the crowd say I am? They answered, John the Baptist, others Elijah, others the prophet. And he said, but who do you say I am? Oh, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Definite, got that, right on target, right? They've got power, authority, heal, proclaim the kingdom. They didn't get it with the feeding of the 5,000. What to do there? And he said, don't tell anybody about this. Verse 23, he says, if you want to be my follower, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who want to lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world? Older versions say lose your soul, lose their soul, as if they're going to go to hell. He's not talking about the future as much as he is you're going to come unglued. There's not going to be any fire in you. There's nothing to orient your life. If you gain the whole world, you still don't have enough to hold your life together. There's not enough energy and fire in you. He's talking not so much about these people are going to lose their soul in hell, all that, that may be ultimately true. He's talking about life right here and right now. And there's a number of us in our lives who have lost the fire within us and the glue that holds us together because we just don't get it. How do I know that? Transfiguration. Goes up on a mountain, and all of a sudden, they realize this is a great deal. Let's build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, and then the voice out of heaven comes, this is my beloved son, in whom I will please, and they went silent. They didn't say anything. They didn't get it. That all the law, all the prophets, everything comes down to Jesus. There's the transfiguration. They still don't get it. Jesus 
heals a boy with a demon. Chapter 9, verse 37. I'm just building you up to 957. Jesus, suddenly a spirit seizes this boy. And a dad's telling this story. At once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. There's a demon. I begged your disciples to cast it out and they couldn't. What did they have? They had power to heal, to proclaim the kingdom of God. They had authority and they could not do it. Jesus does it. They don't get it. He foretells his death again. Chapter 9, 43 following. The last thing that's said about that is, and they were afraid to ask him about this thing that he was saying. Then there's an argument right, you know, among them. Who's the greatest? They still don't get it. How in the world could you spend all that time with Jesus? How in the world could you walk with him, talk with him, listen to him teach, watch him do miracles? He's invested power and authority in you as a follower of his to proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal, to cast out demons, and they still don't get it. Here's another way they don't get it. Verse 49, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said to him, Do not stop him who's not a member of the church of Christ. For whoever is not against you is for you. You say, yeah, that's not in there. It is. You see, they wanted to make it about their tribe, their group. They're the ones that have only a special relationship with God. They don't get it. God is bigger than their tribe, so to speak. He's bigger than the, that who they are. He's bigger than Israel. He is a Jesus that's for all people. And God is at work in the world, whether they want to recognize it or not, even in other religious people that are doing things in his name. When the days drew near, verse 51, follow the text. For him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And Luke shifts. Luke consistently portrays the disciples as Grady, as John, as Fred, as Henry, as Sarah, as Nick. Philip, put your own name there. Look in the mirror. John consistently portrays, I mean John, Luke consistently portrays the disciples as people who don't get it. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Jesus still says, I'm head of the cross, follow me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a phenomenal amount of grace that God would still say, even though you don't get it, and even though you misunderstand some things about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, even though you misunderstand some things about this and that, even though you're pretty tribal here and you don't see where God is at work in the world in other ways, follow me, follow me, follow me. Then the specific text we read is about some things. Foxes have holes, birds there have nests. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you will not be comfortable. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, it will not be convenient. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, it will challenge every fiber of your being 
every day of your life. What Jesus calls us to is to follow. The second thing is, he's really not interested in your excuses. Because what you have here is common excuses for not following Jesus. It's not that Jesus is being mean. It's that he's just responding, well, I'll be glad to follow you, but let me go bury my father. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. If you take it at face value, it sounds like Jesus is mean. If you take it as in the vein of the other statements, let me first go home and say goodbye. Huh? Follow me. Don't turn back. Now, why am I saying this today and the last Sunday with you? Because all I've heard for 10 months, when are we going to get a preacher? When are we going to get a preacher? When are we going to get a preacher? I've had to tell former football coaches from Texas A&M, chill out, it'll be fine. <laughs> I've had to tell big business guys and doctors and, and, and sweet little old ladies who just can't make it without a preacher, it'll be fine, you're going to have a preacher. Why am I saying this word today? Because you can have a tendency to go, oh, finally, now we can rest and get back to church as normal. There's two things I know. The Randy Johns that some of you knew 35 years ago is not the Randy Johns of today. He's grown, he's matured, he's learned, he is, has discerned, he's prayed, he's deeper. He's, he's let some things go that he believed 35 years ago. He hasn't let go of this. He's committed to this more than ever in his life. But it may not sound the same as it did 35 years ago when he was the youth minister here. Oh, I know, Randy, it's good to have him home. We'll get back to normal here at Lamar Avenue. It's, that's a good deal. Au contraire. Been there, done that. I remember when... The Mansfield Church of Christ asked me to come back and 50% of the church knew me, 50% of the church didn't. And they were just convinced, oh, it's good to have the, that young preacher Grady back. I was 55 when I returned. I wasn't the young preacher anymore. And after about two weeks, somebody said, you know, you're not as funny as you used to be. You're pretty serious. That's because I'm older and that's because I realize what's at stake more it's not that I don't want to have a good time preaching the word of God, it's, but my intent is not to get up to be funny. My intent is, hey folks, this stuff matters, and here's what matters, and you better take it seriously because your life is at stake. You could forfeit your soul, not for the future, but right now, and you have no energy and no, no glue that holds you together, and you're just being a nice religious person. Listen. This message is about don't get comfortable. Secondly, Randy Johns is not your preacher. You don't own Randy Johns. Well, you know, as a businessman, I pay his salary and I tell him what to do. Talk to God about that. He first and foremost, and this is what you want, you want someone that will study 
that will pray, that will serve, that will care, and that will challenge you whether you're comfortable or not with it so that you can have something that glues your soul together and gives you fire in your bones. Amen to that. That means some days you're not one of the... You say, you know what? I was going to invite him to lunch, but he just said something I don't like. I think I'll rescind that invitation. We'll take Lori and leave him with somebody else. Well, I'm being really honest here. He is your preacher, but he's really not. He's God's man first. He's your preacher second. And he's really a preacher for the entire county, the entire region, the entire city. Turn him loose and let him serve. Turn him loose and, and, and don't depend, don't put all your eggs in the preacher and church basket. That's what I said in class. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Churches have a tendency to think, well, the new preacher is going to have some new programs to get people here. The new preacher is going to do this. The new preacher is going to do that. The new preacher is going to do this. The new preacher is going to do that. Or we just need to have better programs to get them to church, get them to church, get them to church. No, you don't put all your eggs in that basket. Don't do that. You'll be incredibly disappointed within the first four to six weeks he's here. Lori might make it another three or four months, but Randy won't. What I mean by that is being God's man and calling you, calling himself as well as others to be God's people without excuse and you being the body of Christ takes a phenomenal amount of prayer, a phenomenal amount of energy, a phenomenal amount of preparation, and a phenomenal amount of cost to his own soul. It takes phenomenal amount of spirit to preach week in and week out, and he's first of all God's man rather than your preacher for your possession. Does that make sense? It's easier for me to say it than him, right? And so, what can you do? Don't get comfortable. Oh, I remember little Randy. He was the sweetest thing. He was so nice. And da, 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 da. You'll change your mind really quickly. He's not the same person. Now, there's some basics of the same. A coach may get old, but the basics don't change. How about that? The basics are the basics of the basics. He's more convicted than ever of the basics. But he's also more convicted than ever that the church must learn to be a disciple of Christ without excuse. A disciple of Christ without excuse. No excuses. Serve, care, love, share, participate, be involved. There's a sociologist named Rodney Stark who has written several wonderful books, something very challenging to me personally, and he's made the observation that from the first century culture, you didn't have any marginal or just casual members because it cost them everything to follow Jesus. You didn't have this, well, I'll just kind of come and sit and listen, leave and decide if I like it or not. You, you couldn't afford to do that because there was... Your life was at stake to follow Jesus Christ. So this morning, I offer you that when Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds, have, birds there have nests, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, he's saying, to follow me is not a life of convenience and not a life of comfort. 
to have a new preacher is not about, oh, finally we got a preacher. We could have got one a lot sooner if we hadn't had that crazy group in here working with us. Maybe. But I believe he's here for a reason, don't you? And I believe he's called by God, don't you? And I believe it's time for Lamar Avenue not to ever get comfortable ever, ever, ever in your skin as a church because to put on the flesh of Jesus Christ, to walk in his shoes, to see with his eyes is to make you very, very uncomfortable. And here's the thing about it. In your discomfort and in your times when you just get stretched because it's not convenient, in your times when you don't know if you like that preacher or not, in your time, in those times, the man that holds this up and points you to God, it's the God who says, in spite of where you are as a church and who you are and what you're going through in your life, follow me without excuse. Don't get what? Comfortable. It all starts with the desire to follow Jesus. I guess this is a baptistry. When you said, I believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I believe he lived and died and was buried and raised. I am making him Lord of my life. And I'm being buried in the water and raised to walk a new life. When you said that, you're saying, no excuses, regardless of comfort, regardless of convenience, I belong to Jesus Christ and I will give my life to him. Amen, church? If you've never done that this morning, you can do it right now. But keep in mind, it's not going to be convenient, it's not going to be comfortable, but it is incredibly rewarding the glory of God rest in you through you and upon you as a child of God he will walk with you through all of life no matter what if we can baptize you in to the life that is not convenient and the life that is not comfortable but the life that God gives through Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Why don't you do that today? If you need prayers because you think, I've missed it, I've missed it, I've missed it, I need something to hold me together more, and I need to return to the fire that's within me that I had long, long time ago when I was baptized into Christ. However we can help you, pray for you, encourage you, May the Lord bless you and keep you as we stand and sing.